If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Our guest today on Horse Chats is Nick Tassoni, who's going to talk to us about raising the standard. She's got heaps of knowledge about standard breads. I'm sure that anyone who has um, gone on and listened to chat number 395 with Jenny Holloway and wants some more and is wondering why we're not doing anything with standard breads, because I've probably been a bit slack and, and not followed up, but Nick's contacted me and, and I'm really dying to talk to her about that. But before we do that, I'd just like to remind you about the motto of International Horse College. Now, the motto is people safety and horse welfare. And if that's the way you feel when you're working with horses, have a look at the internationalhorsecollege.com website. Just go there, have a look, have a look at all the courses. If you'd like to talk to someone, just go through the contact button and um, talk to the friendly staff at International Horse College, registered training organisation 31352. Now, today we're going to talk to Nick, and Nick's the founder of Raising the Standards. How are you, Nick? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. It's very exciting to chat. Look, Nick, I've got to tell you, before we even get started, I love the name of your website. You know, it's about standard breads, raising standard breads, training and retraining standard breads, and you've got it raising the standards. So I just think, what a great name. It's a play on words, goes both ways, and absolutely perfect. Yeah. I was very lucky that I started a long time ago and the domain and the business name was available. <laughs> Bit of fortune there. Yes, makes a difference. Yeah. Now, Nick, before we even get started on the standards, the standees, how about you tell me your favourite quote, favourite saying? You know, it could be something that you teach, something that you say all the time, something that you say to yourself to remind yourself about, you know, and then just tell us a little bit about why that saying and um, how it comes to help you. Yeah, sure. So a uh, saying that I tend to repeat quite often is uh, to celebrate the little wins. And I think it's particularly important when you're working with green horses like standard breads. Sometimes we can, as riders and horse people, get so focused on the things we can't do yet or where we want to get to one day that we sort of gloss over and don't really take that time to sit back and feel really proud of the things that we're achieving each and every day and the things we're learning. And, the things, and by taking that sort of Small the roses point of view, you really start to focus on the little little wins and enjoyments along the way that you know make horsemanship so much fun. Yeah, I agree. I think that you know if you can celebrate the little wins, recognise the little wins is probably the first step. You know, and realise that the horse is trying for you; they're trying to do the right thing. And if you can recognise that, celebrate it. Yeah, absolutely perfect. Makes it so much more enjoyable. Yep, and our standees are. They do. They are teachers' pets in a way. They do like to please their humans. So I agree with you on that one, definitely. When was your first standard bread? Or tell me how you came into the position where you can help them in such a way that you're training, retraining. Just tell us a little bit about how all this started. Well, I had my first standard bread um, encounter back in 2001, so a very, very long time ago. I was a junior rider moving up off my first pony and. And as you did back in those days, you sort of found someone you knew who had a horse for sale at the time. And um, and so we knew through a family contact, someone who had just retired 
uh, a very young trotter, and she was extremely clean broken to saddle and had only been um, yeah, under saddle for a, a couple of weeks and had very basic training. She didn't know how to canter and, and her temperament was what I kind of now know to be nearly the opposite of the typical standard bread. She was quite hot and reactive and went sideways more than she went forward. So she was a bit of a Mount Everest project in that sense. Um, and and just wonderful. She taught me all of the big horsemanship lessons and, you know, a lot of patience and and how to listen to your horse and, and and to build a really good partnership. And we did that for a couple of years. And then I outgrew her, moved on to another horse, stopped riding for a few years in my late and moved down to the suburbs. And then when I got back into horses, I felt really connected to standard breads. And, um, and raising the standards accidentally was born from that point forward. Um, I was looking to just get a horse to ride, basically, and uh, put a little ad out in a harness racing uh, website for racing trainers and had a couple of people offer me um, really nice geldings and ended up um, taking two from separate people around the same time. Didn't think I had time for two horses, so I worked with them, um, started them, them under saddle. And uh, I, I really liked both of them, so I sort of decided that I, can't, I couldn't have two horses, so I would just advertise them both and see if I could find a good home for one of them. Um, because they weren't overly expensive horses, and that's the thing about standard breads, you know, they're not uh, a very expensive horse to get started with. Um, I had a lot of people wanting them at the same time as a whole lot of harness racing trainers were asking me would I take their horses. So it just snowballed it from there, and my paddock's quickly filled with horses. And, and so, yeah, raising the standards really began by accident all those years ago. So that was about 2009 that the program, yeah, really started to kick off in in a in more official capacity. Yeah. And you're doing it, you know, you say in official capacity, but you really well recognised. I mean, you're training horses for, you know, I'm sort of having a look on your website. Um, you've got one that you looked and is now a member of the Mounted Police Force. Tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah, so um, just as a little side note, I've, I've had kids in recent years, so I haven't actively rehomed or retrained for rehoming for about four years now, but um, certainly prior to that, it was a full-scale outplacement um, program. So Bob was uh, the first standard bred to be accepted into Victoria Police's Mounted Branch, and after him, there have been other standard breds, and another raising the standard horse called Tango was in there, and, and he's since retired from the force, but Bob's still there. I think he's closing in on nearly seven or six or seven years um, at, in the Mounted Branch, and he's still actively doing his patrols regularly and, and an active member. Um, and that was a real thrill. He, he's a natural pacer, so he was bred to race as a pacer and did race as a pacer, and then retired and came here and, and went through the pretty extensive rehabilitation sort of process that we go through here with all the horses and then a retraining program. And um, yes, went through, I just had an outstanding temperament, really lovely horse, um, very, very chilled out, not much phased him, and um, applied for a test ride and was accepted on a 12-month sort of trial and then uh, was ratified and brought on board as an official member. So that was very, very exciting. And also too, you know, RDA, tell us a little bit about a horse that had a little bit of a tragic reason for coming to you and then um, ended up as an RDA horse. Yeah, it was a, a, 
bit of a bittersweet sort of story. I was um, friends with a few harness racing trainers from down in the Croydon area, and one of the young trainers down there, Danielle Lewis, and I were talking a few times because I was rehoming horses for her best friend. And um, she said, I've got a very special little horse. He's my heart horse. I love him to to bits. And his name's JJ. And I I have retired him, but I can't do anything with him yet because I can't bring myself to move him on. But um, one day when I'm ready, I will contact you. And I'd love it if he could have a second chance beyond the track. And uh, I think it was just a few weeks after that conversation. Unfortunately, Danielle was involved in a training accident and she passed away um yeah at the racetrack and so her family and friends really wanted to rehome her horses to you know places where they would have a good future beyond the track and so I actually took um two of Danielle's horses one being JJ and JJ had an exceptional nature from the get-go I think I'd had only four or five little potters around on his back before he went to the Cranbourne racetrack on a very big meet called the Tricodes, where they have all three coats of racing, running a race meet every seven minutes. There was a different type of race, a lot of horses and race uh, greyhounds on the track. And we actually rode up the racetrack in the middle of the race course to do a memorial for Danny. And that was a lot of pressure. And the first time, I mean, he'd had less than a handful of rides under saddle and then was at a racetrack being ridden. He was just an absolute legend and really, you know, did you know did a great job of that. And then um, from there, I had already rehomed several horses into riding for the disabled centres around Victoria. I thought he had a great nature. He was assessed and placed into the riding for the disabled Oakland Junction Centre, where I have um, three horses currently placed down there. They're just wonderful people. And so yeah, he Danny uh, Danny's little. Fellow JJ is currently a riding for the disabled horse, so that was a lovely little story in itself, albeit quite sad. Um, but yeah, Jay, Jay's a lovely horse. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Nick, probably a question I should have asked you earlier for our listeners who might be saying, well, what's a standard bread? Is that like a racehorse? Is that, and getting the the mixture between the thoroughbreds and the standard bread. So if you're going to describe the difference between a standard bread and a thoroughbred or talk about what a standard bread is, and it's not a thoroughbred, how would you go about describing that in your own words? Okay, well, first of all, from a lay perspective, if you look at racing, there are three codes. You've got greyhounds, which is dog racing, and then you've got two two main codes of horse racing. You've got your thoroughbreds, which are your thoroughbred racing, so your gallops, and they also do jumps. And then you've got 
um, harness racing, and there's, there's two styles of harness racing. There are trotters and paces. Um, so just to give you a quick overview, trotters run a, a trot really, really fast, and paces actually have um, straps which bind the two legs on each side of the body to move in unison. So the left legs, forward, front and back legs move forward and back at the same time, and then the right side moves at the same time. Pretty hard to explain over the phone. Um, but, yeah, so you've got trotters and paces, and the majority of races in Australia, well, I know definitely in Victoria, are in races. Um, so you've got standard breads of horses who aren't, when they're bred for racing, they're not purpose-bred for riding, and they do have confirmationally a slightly different physique because they're bred to um, pull sulky little carts. So the little carts you see with the driver sitting in them, really, really fast. And for horses who are bred to be pacers, they're now the bloodlines have refined so they actually find that lateral movement really natural and some of them actually pace without the leg straps at all. So, um, yeah, they've got a slightly different body shape. I tend to find standard breads quite have quite long, reasonably flat backs. They don't have typically that big wither that you see on a lot of the thoroughbreds um, and they do have slightly bigger shoulder muscles and because when they race in harness they have their heads held high which is to promote good track visibility and balance Um, they often have a different muscle outline when they retire from racing to what you find with riding horses so they have these deep strong um, under neck muscles and quite a light um, top line in which we have to sort of through the rehabilitation process develop that top line so that they can actively support the and bear the weight of a rider so uh, and then eventually with a view to move long and low. So almost if you think about the way a horse travels under saddle with that nice, you know, over the back sort of motion, standard breds run with their heads held up really high. So we've got a lot of conditioning to do with our standard breds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thinking about going as a business, not training them yet, because we'll talk about that, but as a business, telling people, I, I take standies and I retrain them and rehome them. Have you had people say, oh, no, what do you want to do with standees? Why don't you just get, you know, a galloper or a thoroughbred and, um, you know, so they can go on and do different things. Have you had that sort of prejudice where people say that? And if you have, tell us a little bit about, you know, what it means and what you've been able to do about it. I think it it was something that was certainly an issue back in the early days before the internet and the prevalence of some of the And there's been, look, to be honest, aside from your bobs and your RDA horses, there have been some incredibly successful high-level performance horses who started their lives as harness horses, standard bred to it, doing things like riding in the Gary Owen and competing up to elementary dressage and, you know, very uh, metre 40 jumping and things. So really successful athletes because they are very versatile and athletic. So it's getting a lot better and it's probably less common today than it used to be because there's a lot of standy folk out there doing great things with them and spreading the word around a little bit. They're kind of like the best-kept secret in the equestrian world, I think the standard breads are. Um, But I think some of the examples is more, instead of outright prejudice, more things like the backhander compliments. So people would often say to me, oh, your horse is really pretty for a standard bread. You know, they have to qualify that it was before a standard bread, which used to make me laugh. Um, I always say to my husband things like, they're really nice people, you know, the people who aren't very particularly nice. So we have a bit of a giggle at that. But, yeah, more that backhanded compliment, not as much outright. But, I mean, you'd be kind of silly to outrightly say something 
against standard breads in my presence because I sing their phrases so wildly. So, yeah, and not as much today. And I think people who are getting into standard breads find and connect with other standard bread lovers a lot more to this day and, and find their tribe and don't feel the need to, you know, worry about any of the naysayers they encounter as much as maybe back in the old days. Mm-hmm. And now a slight change to that question. Biggest challenge, and this is generally, you know, because you, you've had quite a few now, the biggest challenge that maybe new horse owners find and say they haven't come and been rehomed through your training, but they've just, you know, whether they've had a family friend who's given them a horse or they've bought a horse or they've whatever, what sort of challenges are they likely to have and overcome? Because, you know, as you say, it's the small wins, you know, celebrate the small wins. But when they first get a standee and think, right, I'm going to um, train this horse as a riding horse, might have already been under saddle, but what sort of challenges would they have? Well, I think this sort of comes into, I guess, what I'm sort of doing today. So I'm not actively retraining, but I'm actually raising the standards still exist as an educational resource. So all I do every day is talk to real-life standard bread riders who are hoping to retrain their own horse. So I definitely hear every single day, oh, my goodness, the overwhelm factor. And I think overwhelm is probably the word I would use. I think when you get a horse as unique as a standard bread, they have a fifth gate. You know, they do often have the pace. And if they're not paces because they were trotters, then they've been trained never to break into canter. So we have two very different problems to potentially work with depending on what style of racing the horse did um, but overwhelm is certainly a concern when when you get a green standard bread is pretty fresh freshly under saddle they've got a range of issues from those gait issues through to things like flexion because they have raced with their head up and often um, flex to the outside of the racetrack we want to then bring them in straighten them up and get them to sort of carry themselves in a completely different outline and also when you get on a horse who holds their head up high naturally it kicks in this bit of self-preservation it's not a comfortable feeling as a rider to have a horse with a really high head Um, so you you feel like you're sort of grabbing for your reins a little bit and that can be a little bit concerning so those are some of the bigger problems and also then I find a lot of people are concerned about things like canter which I do talk about in a lot of my online programs I feel like things like establishing a good three-beat can with a standard bread are going to be a lot more natural and less of a problem if you really do focus on those little wins and get down into the nitty-gritties and look at every little skill you need to teach your horse things like can you get them to straighten up a little bit and you know can you get them really responsive and quick off your aids and your cues and get them really concentrating on you because when our standard breads get overwhelmed or rushed or confused they actually will revert back to things like pacing and, and gait issues so You want to try and keep your horse really calm and um, introduce things one step at a time, really consolidate your skills before you add something in. Um, And I find then once you've got all these great little walk and trot skills nailed, by the time you get up to canter, if you've taken your time and not missed any steps, it's not really an issue because your horse is quite balanced and well-muscled and and you have a good connection by the time you get there. So the thing I would say to people is, you know, really spend your time in that walk and phase really nailing the little nitty-gritty skills because they're going to set you up to success later on down the track. Good, 
Good. And thinking about our listeners. So more than 50% of our listeners are in Australia, but gee, they're in quite a few other countries around the world too. You know, there's some of them I have to actually look up on the map and see where the country is. Um, what about standard breeds in other countries? How do they compare to numbers and, and careers after racing and things like that in other countries? Well, I can't speak to statistics about life after racing, but I will say this. I do have um, a membership program for which connects standard bred owners from all around the world. And in that program, I have yeah riders from Scotland currently and England, Canada and New Zealand and all across America, particularly around that New York, sort of just north of New York area. And through these people, I have really been introduced to all of their racing sort of styles and events and all of their life after racing events. And they do quite a lot of dressage and showing and jumping. So there's definitely a, a global community of Santa Barbara riders. And I know that harness racing is very big in some of those countries I mentioned, particularly America and New Zealand, um, as well as Australia. So when you've got, obviously, um, a sport that is producing a lot of racehorses, then obviously you're going to find a lot more going into the equestrian world when they retire. And, and rehoming globally is certainly very active, and there are lots of standards going out finding new career paths. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't found many training differences. I think that a lot most of the people who contact me are coming into my programs and learning my methods. So they're not really sort of showing me how they do things, but um, there's definitely a huge buzz around standard breads all around the world and, um, and people giving them a, a shot and some of the show photos and things are really exciting to look at. So yeah, the standies are pretty popular around, around the globe, I think, from what I've seen. And certainly, you know, I know that they've, um, they've increased, you know, they continue to increase. You see this continuing. Is there anything sort of that you've got hidden under the, you know, under the covers that maybe there's a big championship coming up for standees or, you know, anything exciting that you think within the standing world that's almost a bit of a secret now that you know is going to be going on or will it just continue to grow at a pace the way that it has done, which has been pretty reasonable pace, I might add, yeah. Yeah, it is certainly growing. I think um, the great thing is that here in Australia, in nearly every state, I think maybe not the Northern Territory, um, but most of the other states have a breed association for standard bread specifically. And most of the um, major states are also establishing really big official um, outplacement programs if they're not already active. So, you are going to be able to find if you live anywhere in Australia, at least because I can only speak to Australia on this level, but if you purchase a standard bread and are going to have a go, you will be able to find your people, if not just in the online world, by just Googling your state and joining your state body. And there are so many shows and competitions down here in Victoria. There's um, a standard bread ring at nearly every single agricultural show. There is a dressage series that's run. There's a show jumping championship that runs. Just, and that's just in one state. And then you've got girls who actually travel all up and down the East Coast and across to other states to compete. It's um, a really vibrant space. So you can certainly find people doing really competitive things with the standard breads. Additional to also, there are a few down here in Victoria, HSCAV, which is adult riding clubs. I think there are three currently that are just for standard breads. So that's pretty cool as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Nick, if people, if they're not sure, if they'd like to be able to contact someone, they can contact you, can't they? What's probably the best way to contact you? 
Absolutely. I love to talk standard In case you had noticed, I can talk underwater about standard So um, my website is raisingthestandards.com.au, but we also have we have a main Facebook page, but attached to that, if you go into the groups tab, you'll actually find our Standardbred community Facebook group, and it's growing every day. I think it's over 450 members, but if you want to talk to people who are very supportive and encouraging, where it's a really welcoming space to share your journey and to ask questions, that's where I would go to um, to connect with everybody. And we do have people from all around the world as well, just for those 50% of listeners who aren't Aussie. Um, yeah, we, we have a really lovely little community in there of people posting all day. We get constant flow of posts, people asking questions about how to do things, sharing little retraining wins, sharing photos of their beautiful horses. So, yeah, if, if not the Raising the Standards website, then maybe jump onto our Facebook page and click to the groups and join the group and follow the main page. But, you know, the group is where all the conversations are happening. All right. Uh, if you miss the website, miss the Facebook page, just go to horsechats.com. Go to the search bar. You can search for Nick, search for Tassoni, or you could search for Raising the Standards or search search for Standard Bread. And I think you'll find the details there at the bottom of Nick's page. And if you want to re-listen to this recording, you can from that page. Yeah, Nick, you're really passionate about this, that's for sure. And I'm sure that we've got other people that would love to have you back on, you know, I mean, myself included, but love to have you back on, talk about your standees. And tell us a little bit more details about um, different areas of caring for, training and looking after it. And just, I'm sure that you're going to be able to go down and give us a lot more detail about standard breeds or standies. So, um, yep, love to have you back. And um, we hope to catch up with you very soon. Thank you so much for having me. It's just been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. No worries at all. Good to talk to you, Nick, and um, we'll catch up soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.